Hey everybody, you're listening to the 84th episode of Two Views Movies Podcast on the Netflix original Triple Frontier. Wanna ring the bell? Alright. Ding, ding. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And today we are tackling the Netflix original Triple Frontier. Big cast, still a Netflix movie, got a little bit of a, a theatrical release. I think some people, like maybe two weeks, it got a run or something like that. But otherwise, you got to catch on your couch through Netflix. I didn't even know it was in theaters. Yeah, like I said, I think it was like a uh, not a wide release. I think some locations, probably like the coast, got it like a week or two ago in theaters, but not not a wide release at all. Huh. Okay. Okay. Well, we're gonna hit the ground running on this one. Uh, Letterbox blurb is struggling to make ends meet. Former special ops soldiers reunite for a high stakes heist, stealing seventy five million from a South American drug lord. Directed by J.C. Chandor, who did All Is Lost, Margin Call, and A Most Violent Year, which I've seen two out of those three, and actually I know you have too. So have you seen Margin Call? I have not seen Margin Call. Okay. Yeah, I know that that's funny because All Is Lost and A Most Violent Year came up in our little thing that we used to do with another friend of ours where we made each other watch movies that the other ones picked. And I know I picked All Is Lost, that Redford uh, out in the ocean movie, and then I think our I think our other friend Larson uh, picked a most violent year, didn't he? He did. Okay, I did not. <laughs> yeah, no, that didn't seem like your kind of pick. But I actually remember kind of liking that movie. I'd have to go look at my rating to see what I gave it, but I, I didn't mind it. I went into it with the wrong expectations, so I didn't like it as much. Yeah, it, it didn't seem as violent as the title uh, <laughs> suggests. <laughs> False advertising. It was. It really was. The title got me. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, the the imagination runs a little wild with a most violent year as the title. I mean, yeah, it was a violent year for the normal everyday guy, but not for movie standards. Right. Like if John Wick was called a most violent year, that would make a little bit of sense. But, you know, a standard (laughs) mob movie where he's running like a a waste management, I think is what it was. Yeah. You know, Sopranos ish. Sure. But it wasn't even as violent as you know, Sopranos-ish. Right. You know? Like, it, it was a, on the, the light end of mob movies. But <laughs> it also had Oscar Isaac, so, you know, that tailored right into to this movie. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, and Pedro Pascal. So, quite a star-powered movie for a, a Netflix release. I think, I, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and make a claim here about out of all the Netflix original movies that I can remember, easily the the biggest cast that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, Bright is the only other one that can challenge that, I guess. I mean, that's with Will Smith and and Will Smith. Joel Edgerton. <laughs> I know. I, I was I was trying to set you up for your, your Hawkeye reference, but you went <laughs> yeah. you actually went for his real name instead. I know, of- yeah. I mean, you know, Jeremy Renner, Joel Edgerton. We don't have to go through this again, but just swap them. Doesn't matter. Is there anybody else so, in that movie, though? 
Um, there, there's some people, but they're not. I mean, they're the Charlie Hunnams of the world. Charlie doesn't have a, a huge name, I don't think. No, no. I mean, obviously, usually when you get in these ensemble movies, there's a pecking order to, to this, right? I mean, clearly this is being... I mean, if you're ranking them on star power, I, I guess you go... Batfleck. Affleck. Yeah, Affleck first, although I think Oscar Isaac's... I think Batfleck's on the way down and Oscar Isaac is on the on the way up, if you will. And then, so my question would be, who's third? Because I think I would go Pedro Pascal. Over Charlie Hunnam? Yeah, only because, I mean, the guy's in Narcos, he's been in Game of Thrones, he seems to just be appearing everywhere. Uh, now, the whereas... Equalizer 2, you forgot him <laughs> in Equalizer 2. You, you cut me off, I was going there. <laughs> yeah, and see, I feel like he's going down. Like, I think Game of Thrones was his peak, and I was really excited to see him in other things, and he is not choosing good things. Uh, I don't think he's going down, I think he's leveling out. Whereas Hunnam and Headland, it's, you know, I, I know them. And then I started to look at their filmography and I was kind of like, hmm, hmm, okay. See, I think Hunnam is still, I think he, obviously people know him from Sons of Anarchy. And uh, I think he's, we're going to see a lot more of him later. It feels like they didn't capitalize on what he had going. Meaning? Oh, well, he had Sons of Anarchy and then he went into uh, Pacific Rim. And now, given I haven't seen Lost City of Z or mm, I can't remember the other one he was in right off the top of my head. It's escaping me now. Yeah, I think he's still cutting his teeth as an actor, but he's getting there. I think people like him. Uh, my yeah. wife surely does. <laughs> um, and, so, and so the more uh, the more that he's in, I think he's getting better. I think he's trying to get out of that tough guy biker, you know, that Sons of Anarchy pegged him with. And he has a hard time doing that. He just needs to go do one of those C. Uh, Tate's romantic movies. <laughs> he does. He really does. And so, and I always thought, uh, watching Sons of Anarchy, I thought he was a shorter guy, but he's like six two. And then seeing him next to Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac's only five nine, which surprised me. Uh, I knew he was shorter, but I didn't think he was that short. And it just angers me at Brian Singer even more. You cast a guy who's five nine to play Apocalypse. I mean, that's just dumb. That angers me. Yeah, I mean, but but come on, how 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 big is Josh Brolin? And you're not mad that he was cast as Thanos? Josh Brolin's a monster. He's awesome. <laughs> That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking how, you tall how, is, tall, how tall is Josh Brolin? I I don't know. You're the one over here rattling off uh, actors' heights like you've got their baseball cards. I do have their baseball cards. Josh Brolin is five ten. So you just slammed See, a so five he, nine apocalypse. <laughs> Who's <laughs> towers over Oscar Isaac? <laughs> uh, backed yourself into a corner on that one. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Google says he's five ten. IMDb says he's five ten and a half. There you go. See, that's a whole inch and a half over Apocalypse, and then that shouldn't be. <laughs> that just gives me an idea that somebody should make uh, actor baseball cards with stats on the back, their vitals. You could put Tom Cruise's forty. Time. Really <laughs> I bet that's actually pretty good. All right, so now that we've we've gone severely off track, rug, uh, let's rug. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's bring it back. Um, the one thing I guess I kind of touched on, but I wanted to ask you, like, what's your just general opinion of Netflix original movies? Um, I mean, I think that they're the second tier. I it, I I felt like it's a direct to DVD release in the past. You know, um, didn't quite make theaters, so. 
we'll just put it out at Blockbuster and you can walk by and pick it up if you want. Yeah, okay. And, and that's been kind of my assumption too. Like right or wrong, I don't really know how the Netflix process goes, but I, I guess I've been conditioned to think that, um, and maybe this is from knowing some of the other stories like Cloverfield Paradox and a few of the other things that have come through that it, my general assumption is that you know this tried to get shopped at movie theaters but couldn't and now we're putting it on Netflix and I, I know that's not the case I know there's some stuff that's actually done by Netflix designed to be released by Netflix etc and, and I'm mainly talking movies here but I guess I agree with you that's my general approach is like okay there, there's a reason why this is on Netflix and not making you know 200 million dollars at the box office this weekend or whatever which makes no sense to me i mean if you're netflix you got to get that in the theaters to get your money back it, yeah unless they think that their movies are going to bring additional subscribers or help you know boost up their content and and i do think they are starting to release movies in theaters like uh, roma got released in theaters and this like i said was in theaters for a few weeks so maybe they're wait, trying to was, feel out was roma released after it was nominated though no, I think it was released at the same time. I think you could go see it in theaters or on um, Netflix, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Now, I just can't fathom that if you drop this into a theater and it made, let's say, conservatively 50 million bucks, you know, how new subscribers would even come close to paying paying for that. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, that that's just goes I back understand to the math on, on their Netflix originals. Well, and I, I don't think the math, I don't think I understand the math on Netflix at all, really, because if your only income is, which I know it's not, and I, I'm going to be way out of my element talking Netflix business models, but it, you know, if your only income is your subscription costs, then really you're only going to make as much as you drive up that subscription cost. So I, I don't quite get it either. But there's got to be a reason why they do it. I mean, it's even in the TV shows, right? Like they keep churning out Netflix original TV shows and they, you know, there's at least one or two that hit every year. So there's got to be some way that they're making money off of this. I don't know if it's just brand value or what, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know if they just have a kitty of, okay, we have this extra money. What can we spend it on? Well, let's make a movie, you know, uh, right. uh, versus let's make a movie in hopes that it makes us money. I think the other it, thing that pops in my head is what is the cost of making your own content versus licensing other content, right? Because if it's all these other movie studios making the movie and then they charge you whatever for a fee to be able to stream that movie, maybe it's more effective for you to make your own content. Yeah, well, I mean, longevity of Netflix, it makes sense as all these other, like Disney having their own subscription and everybody and their brother having their own subscription that they may get lost in the in the shuffle. Um so at least they thought ahead. Sure. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to drive that question into another question, which is um, how successful do you think this movie would have been given a wide release? Uh, I think if you dropped it right about now, you know, in the, the first part of the year, maybe January release would have been better since there was nothing else out to see. Um, I think it could, I could think 30, 30, 40 million. Yeah. I mean, it kind of reminds me, I, you saw this, but I didn't, um, 12 Strong, that's that's Thor, right? That's Thor, yep. Yeah, yeah. doesn't it always feel like there's these, and I, I'm not trying to degrade anything, but there's always some kind of not not overly great military movies that come out that seem to have a general draw of audience, whether that's uh, Lone Survivor or 
12 Strong or any of these other movies. I'm not saying that they're not good movies. I'm just saying that they don't win awards. Nobody really fawns over them, but people still go and see them like, yeah, okay, fine. That's good. Well, I think any military type movie, you're going to get action junkies that want to go see it. Like I was excited for this one because they were military trained and not just some guys trying to pull a heist. Right. I mean, I think there's always an audience for military movies from just an action standpoint. I mean, you know, if you have a highly trained operatives, you're going to get some some shootouts and some some cool, maybe some cool fight scenes. Um, and then you have the ones that uh, are more PTSD driven, which I think are a lot lately. And this is a piece of that. Yeah. And the cast of this one was going to get butts in the seat. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still think Ben Affleck's a draw. I think he takes a lot of crap, but I I enjoy him as an actor. In this movie, I thought he was very stiff, but I really like Affleck. Do you mean his, his acting or his face? <laughs> Both. <laughs> yeah. Or Ben's face is, is seen better days. And I just think because he's, he's gained a few. He, look, he looked puffy. <laughs> just stretched him thin. Yeah. He looked very, very puffy. Yeah, there's an alcohol joke in there somewhere, but I won't make it. He, uh, yeah, he's definitely not in Batman shape. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so l- let's go into the actual movie then. Um, what what were your overall thoughts? What's something that where where do you want to go with this? Um, well, I want to start with uh, a few of the scenes. You know, so I'm I'm looking at uh, the scene where Oscar Isaac is chasing the girl. Mm-hmm. You know, so she runs away, and I think that was part of their plan, right? Yes. And she ran away. Um, and, and where does she run? Straight up, like, 900 stairs. And yeah. I'm like, if, you, if, you're, if you're trying to get away from, you know, a group of police officers wearing, you know, full, <laughs> full equipment, just tear off upstairs. And that was a perfect getaway. And I was like, that's funny. You know, I, I don't think they meant it like that, but I was like, that's just a whole lot of stairs. Yeah. I mean, Oscar Isaac was now, whether he was actually gassed running up the stairs or whether he was, you know, faking it because he wanted her to get away. I, I don't know. But I do remember laughing about that. being like, damn, that's a lot of stairs. And old Oscar can't get up them like he used to. Right. And he, uh, and it's like every corner she turned all of a sudden there's a huge, you know, flight of stairs. <laughs> it's like, I wonder if this is on purpose, but I. I like that. I was like, that's a good plan, you know, to strategically, you know, your escape route and prepare for stairs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Maybe they thought that out as their escape plan. Like, you know, nobody will believe me if I just lose you running on foot. But if you at least run up some stairs, then, you know, then they'll believe me. (laughs) And so, no, I, I like the intro. I like the setup of like Charlie Hunnam's character. Um, He's speaking to all of the, it looked like current. Um, military about life after. Um, it looked like uh, uh, Ben Affleck was was struggling with his life after. And correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed like Oscar was in his career after the military service. Like he chose to go into a different side of this. Yeah, yeah. Like he was in security, or because he talks about he has a company that's contracted with the other government. So basically, he just started like a Blackwater type consulting firm with special forces type backgrounds that can go help these governments. Yeah. Do, do police work or whatever. 
Yeah, and so Pedro and Garrett's background, I thought that was pretty weak, weak sauce, but they weren't the main main focus of these. You know, he's ultimate fighting, I guess. And then Pedro's... Yeah, I, I took that... To- I took that to be as Garrett's like it's supposed to be the wild card, right? Like he he was always on edge in the military, and he's trying to get that edge. So the way he does it is he goes and you know beats people up or gets his shit beat up in a you know low level MMA out in some podunk town somewhere. It's one thing I know about Garrett; he's always the wild card, <laughs> right? Every Garrett is always every, the wild every card. Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so you mentioned Charlie Hunnam, and I, I do have a little bit of a problem. And I've been trying to work my way through it, but he's, you know, they show him giving this speech and he's telling them to stay in the military and you'll get tons of offers to go use your skills in the real world. But, you know, there's nothing better than wearing the flag, blah, blah, blah. And then Oscar Isaac shows up and gives him a quick offer and he's like, yeah, I'm in. So I I don't know if that's like a 180 of his character, like to tell people, you know, don't do that and then I'm going to do it. Or if that was supposed to be intentionally hollow where uh you know he's going through the motions because he's given this speech a hundred and some odd times whatever he says in the movie. yeah 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 but but he's he's basically just lying to himself and just putting on this facade for other people so that you know but when the, the time comes for him to get asked that question he's just going to jump on it so uh, part of it i didn't like because i'm i felt like uh, especially because later in the movie he's kind of the voice of reason after things start to go bad so it really feels like this, we're setting Charlie up as a good guy, but then it's not like he's bad, but like, you know, don't leave for private offers, stay in the military. But then he leaves for the military, which kind of goes against what he says. And then he kind of circles back around in the end as the voice of reason and everything. So I felt like, I guess I'm saying his character, the way it was written was just a little off. I don't know. Couldn't quite place it. Well, I viewed it as, well, he he came out with his story first of... Um, that he beat up that guy, you know, for no reason. Like he flew off the handle, couldn't control himself, and so I thought he was going to be more that that wild card type person, you know. As we got into things where his temper and PTSD caught up to him, and he couldn't help himself, you know, because that that first story they tell, he broke a guy's arm or whatever in the shopping, yeah. and and so uh, when I think when he got his conversation with Oscar was. I'm just doing this as my job of speaking to all these people and don't really believe it. That's how, that's how I took it. Yeah. And I think that is, like I said, one way you can read on it that it's intentionally hollow, but I wish they would have, I guess maybe hammered that home a little bit more because it came off to me as pretty genuine of how he's giving speeches. Now I know he says he's given 170 times, but I felt like his character was genuine, but for them, for him then to turn around and just take, Oscar Isaac's offer as long as Ben Affleck is in was just just felt a little weird to me. But that goes into almost everybody in this movie. I felt like the the character development was really shallow. Um they, they try to kind of squeeze everybody in in the beginning. Um you know, Oscar gets probably the most time because you see what he's doing, but he also has the least amount that you need to really develop because he's still doing that. Um Hunnam gets a little bit, Ben Affleck gets a little bit. Pascal doesn't really get much of anything because he's he's reluctant saying he's got a wife and kids and then he pretty much for no reason just turns around and and does it um and, you know chooses to join and then Affleck they at least show a little bit of the struggle but it it always just kind of stays superficial for me with all the characters you 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 kind of 
it's kind of fill in the blanks a little bit. They they give you enough about each person to kind of understand, and then it's almost like they assume you've seen enough movies like this to know why guys like this would or wouldn't take the actions that they they are doing. Well, and even Ben Affleck's character, they say they made him retire, you know, and so you're yeah. you're waiting for that why, you know, and then later on when he guns down the people, you wonder if that's why, but they never get into it to the why he was asked to step down. Yep, I agree. The the what you just said, the never getting into it is kind of what I feel was the problem with this movie um overall because it, it's it's sure it's a heist movie, sure it's a little bit of an action movie, but I think they're trying to make it more of a character movie because really besides the opening action scene with Oscar Isaac and the heist scene, there's not a bunch of action it's really being driven by us following these characters but the movie never really seems to like to use your words to want to get into it it wants to do just enough to kind of keep you interested and wonder but like never really explore what's driving any of these guys i mean i really i really like the setup i like the you have these cast off military guys that that know what they're doing you know and they they could truly pull this off because they have the set of skills necessary to do this and a group of them together you know you think that they i I like i like the setup let's go rob some bad guys you know let's go rob a drug dealer and take his money and keep it for ourselves you ben affleck's been shot five times for his government and now can't even get a new truck i mean you know things like that i like the the whole premise of what they're doing um but then it uh kind of fizzles out and you don't get enough Uh, like you said you you don't get enough of what they're trying to push. Yep, exactly. I'm okay with the setup if they had done the deep dive on the back end of the heist, but it's it's like they never do that. So then the the in retrospect, the opening in the first half feels a little bit more shallow because they never took it deeper post heist. And I it's so that it's one of those things where the setup works in real time, but then in hindsight, the the lack of depth on the back end then kind of makes the front end feel shallow. So then you're left just feeling like, oh, okay, you know, it didn't quite go where it needed to go or give me enough of that. So it's fine. How do you feel about Oscar Isaac's character? Um, I felt like he was pretty one dimensional. I mean, I think they try to make, I think everybody looks at Ben Affleck as the leader, but they clearly Oscar Isaac is the one who who recruits them and everything. But you're not really given a lot of what drives him other than I, I think he just, he almost comes across as the one in the beginning who's the greedy one, but then he's not the greedy one as the movie turns out. And so I, but there's not a lot of exploration to it. Um, I, I, I felt at times, honestly, like there was something um, underneath the surface with him, like something wasn't quite right. Like he was either setting the guys up or he was, doing something bad. I don't know why I kept getting that vibe, but I did. Um, I don't know if that's what you were thinking. Well, but absolutely. I felt like he had another agenda. Okay. And I thought they were going to explore that. So obviously he lied to get his, his group down there. Right. And so, which was, which I was okay with, you know, gosh, if you guys don't want it, let's keep it all of ourselves. But if you don't want it, then I'll go with plan A of what I actually told you, you know? And so you're already kind of getting this mm-hmm. idea of he's manipulating them. And then in the actual heist, I was like, he's going to turn somehow uh, and not necessarily turn on his friends, but his real motivation was going to get 
revealed because he was hunting that guy. Like that guy was his real motivation, not necessarily the money, you know, killing the, the drug boss. Yeah, I totally agree. So I I was looking for him to be like, okay, is this really, you know, is Oscar, are they going to do an Oscars really the drug boss behind it all? Is it, you know, you know, looking for this, this giant twist that they're (laughs) going to do? Like, is he killing competition? Is he, you know, what's he, what's he been doing in the last three years in, in South America? Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's you and I having seen too many movies and us trying to always predict what the movie is going to do. Or whether there was just something in the direction and the character or the acting that that fed that to us. Because sometimes I, I don't know for sure because I play that game with myself about where this movie is going to go, and I I don't know whether I'm being primed for it or whether I'm just you know jumping to conclusions. Well, I think it's there were a couple looks when he they were in the actual house that he gave that were very sinister. Okay, you know, and because that was one of the first things my wife brought up was, is he really the drug dealer? You know, it's like, yeah, but why does, how does that fit? You know, why would he be, if it's really his money, why are they going in there like this? You know, <laughs> so, so I'm trying to figure out, I was, like, I was like, okay, is it a rival drug dealer? You know, so that's where I started going, going that way. But he was definitely giving off a something's up vibe in, in, during the heist. And then the next hour was none of that whatsoever. They even brought up that uh, it's not, it wasn't only his money, it was basically a hoarding place for all the drug dealers down there right yeah because he was only he was only supposed to have 75 million in there and they got like 300 million yeah they did say that and i thought where they were first going when she first said that line was that you know when they were going to light it all on fire i thought it was the you know she's saying like hey this is the the people's money too so don't just set this on fire but then it was like no this is like the stash house for everybody so they they went even a, a different direction so did you think when Ben Affleck got shot then, I know we're a spoiler podcast, so we don't have to worry about that, but it always feels weird saying exactly what happened in a movie. <laughs> but when that happened, did you think that either, so the guy comes up over the rocks, he's pointing the gun at Ben Affleck. I, I thought for sure one of two things were happening. Either we we're getting the thing I hate the most, which is Oscar Isaac shoots the, the bad guy and saves Ben Affleck. Uh, that didn't happen. And Ben Affleck got shot right in the head. But then I thought, and again, I don't know if it's because of how they filmed it, but I thought Oscar let it happen. Oh, no, I didn't get that. Because maybe that was just me still being on the vibes from the heist in the house of like, because there was, you know, the stuff in the house where it made Oscar feel weird. And then they're clearly all arguing about what, you know, has gone on since with the helicopter crashing and then up on the the mountain and Oscar and Ben were kind of getting into it. And then Ben gets shot. And it's just, I, it was hard to tell what was happening in that scene because they show Oscar, I think, trying to flank or whatever. And you can't really tell what each person can see and what they can't see. And so I didn't know. My first thought was, oh, crap, he let him get shot for some reason. He's picking off his team to keep all the money for himself type of thing. Kind of, or cleaning up some tracks that we don't quite know about yet, going back to the house thing. So, yeah, it was an extension of that. But, again, didn't didn't go that route. And it's fine that it didn't go that route. But I think that's just me subconsciously kind of being like, I thought there would be more to this. Yeah. So I really liked the first hour, and that's all the way up into the heist. But then they, they drop these things that you're thinking, like, that's not only his money, you know? So are all these other drug lords coming after them, and this should be this big thing that they're always on the run type of, oh, we have to take out these guys? Or I, I don't know what they were going to do, but I was like, okay, it's not just this guy and his men. It's like a practically a, a whole country coming after us now. 
and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no other mention of that again. No, the only people that that chase them are the the people from the village. So not really even the drug lords. And then I guess the drug lords are setting up shop on the beach, and they you know think that they've got to run through them. But yeah, I agree with you. The my I, I guess my issue was on the backside of the heist and even during the heist. So during the heist, you finally get good guys versus bad guys. That's cool and everything. Um, but on the backside of the heist, it just becomes the good guys versus their stupid decisions. There's no other bad guys really in their way. And I'm okay with there not being bad guys. Like it doesn't have to be a generic action movie where we do the heist and then we turn all fast and furious in the jungle and try to race out of there and we're car chasing from guys and shooting up everything explosions. I'm cool if you don't go that way, but if you're going to be more character driven, there needs to be a little bit more like stress between the team. There needs to be, you know, you need to tap into what you didn't explore with the characters in the first half. You need to dive deeper into in the second half. Um, you, you need to learn more about these guys and feel more tenseness between them. Instead, it was just miserable decision after miserable decision by a group of guys who's supposed to be elite. And you're just kind of left scratching your head being like really this is this is the best we could come up with was just trudging ahead with you know mules or trying your trying to go over the andes mountains with weight you know is not going to work like it just everything seems so counterintuitive that it just it left me like just more being frustrated with what i was seeing on screen and i you can kind of explain some of those bad decisions out like ben affleck being where he is now in his life of having no money and then seeing all these bags of cash that they're leaving behind <laughs> and so like his let's take totally let's take more let's take more knowing his life after the military you know and so it's not like they came in straight from active duty but he's had a rough a rough go of it and so seeing seeing money and being greedy i could see him doing that and getting off their original plan but some of the other choices you're right makes makes little to no sense yeah and so i got into a twitter discussion um with some of the other podcasts and people out there it's like uh in session film and colby mack and callis davis we were all tweeting each other i think it was last night or two nights ago about this movie but i I think what they helped me kind of realize as i was talking through it was that it's fine to have greed be like that that main driver of that decision because i get it like you you get in there and your country hasn't supported you and there's all this money. Even though you didn't expect all this money, you still thought you were going to walk away, you know, with 50 million in the beginning, but now when you're seeing, you know, 250 million or whatever it is, like your your eyes just get big. I'm fine with greed driving that for the whole crew, but use that to then dive deeper in the second half. Like have it be a source of conflict that not everybody was greedy. Like clearly Charlie Hunnam and Garrett Hedlund were like, let's just get the hell out of here. And they they kind of bicker with each other about that in the heist and then after, but it doesn't really drive a wedge like you would think it would. Uh, Greed is a huge motivating factor. Totally get it. It makes complete sense. I just wish if that's the path they were going to go, that greed makes you make a dumb decision in the house. It makes you make a dumb decision on the helicopter and even dumber decisions later. Um, Like explore that more. But I felt like, again, kind of what we talked about in the beginning, it just stayed on that superficial level and never really tuck you on a deep dive with those characters. So then it just felt like, okay, greed makes you make dumb choices. Okay. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. And then if you lose your buddy, give up the money that you're greedy about. Yeah. Yeah. And let's, let's talk to about the impracticality of an elite squad of 
guys not finding a better way of you know handling the situation so i get that you don't want to leave money just sitting in a car on a runway but you know can you go stash the cars and use the coordinates and come back later right because clearly they had that thought because charlie hunnam did that later uh, yes exactly <laughs> right. the, the helicopter can only take this amount of weight which brings up a point which i've never understood of i don't get the altitude in helicopters and why it can't i don't understand that and so uh, <laughs> I, I i don't know the first thing about flying helicopters and, yeah and it, it comes back to the altom she, the altitude meter <laughs> that we talked about in first man yes. i don't know how they work but so i was thinking well gosh if the mountains directly below you you know it would still have be able to push off that mountain i was like why does the altitude matter i'm sure it has something to do with thinning air or, or something i don't know but i just i don't understand that and I'm, i know it's a thing because i see it and it can only go planes can only go certain heights you know based on how they but i don't understand that enough to to be worried about them making it over the mountain or why that's a major <laughs> plot point yeah i mean i don't either but i'm fine with the plot point of they've got too much weight on the helicopter and it can't get them above the mountain because i i at least at the very if i don't understand you know air pressure and how thin or thick the air is in relation to a helicopter i can at least understand weight and that it takes a lot of force to get a helicopter or plane off the ground and then to clear mountains you know you got to get rid of it but again another stupid decision because they could have thrown out all of the money in the helicopter and left what was attached at the bottom perhaps but they don't they just throw out a little bit of it and hope that that's good it's like come on i mean that that's the most trite decision that you could possibly make in this situation um it just it's hard to to reconcile that those guys would care enough about those 10 extra bags or whatever it is on the helicopter to not just chuck them out yeah or how much was in the helicopter do you remember no, I don't remember uh, at all because they. I know that they got more than what they expected and then they hooked it onto the bottle. I, I don't know. There was no math being done by me in that. Well, moment. I thought they said it when they were loading up the inside um, of the helicopter. So they were carrying $250 million underneath the helicopter? Something like that. And, and I just had a real... So when they killed the villagers and they stacked, what, a million and 200,000 on the table? Yeah. Yeah. And so they're giving the, the villagers that money. And so when they load their packs later, you know, to carry down the mountain, which mm-hmm. they each could have carried a duffel bag, mind you, when they're trying to hit the beach. They didn't have to throw it all away. Mm-hmm. But they load up their packs. They could have gotten at least, you know, three million a piece if that was a million on the table. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but they each only got a million out of it. Yeah. Well, and the logistics of how much they got on the backs of mules. Like they, they almost made it seem like they got the entire load on the backs of mules. And I was like, well, if you needed a heavy helicopter to airlift this stuff out, I don't really think you can stack it all on five mules. I mean, I could be wrong. They look like those mules look like they were carrying quite a bit of money. Let's be honest though. I mean, can it really, can five mules carry as much as a heavy helicopter with a tow cable or whatever? That, that plus, seems to be plus stretching. five men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Over the, over the Andes. Yeah, over the Andes. Uh, I, yeah, I just, like you said, it's poor decision after poor decision. And, but there's all these decisions to be made in the movie. You know, and so it's it all starts with, you know, do you do the heist? Do you not do the heist? You know, there when you're looking at it, does this make sense? Then there's the, do you go home and take your 17 grand? 
Then there's the in the house. Do you stay and grab more money or do you leave at the heart out? And then there's the how much do you take on the helicopter? Mm -hmm. You know, and then it's the uh, what do you do with the the villagers, you know, type of thing. You know, like each one, (laughs) there's like major pivotal points in this that you could say, okay, here's their decision. Okay, we walk over with donkeys. You know, it just, we leave all the money here on the mountainside. Why? I don't know why they didn't bury it, by the way. Well, yeah, I mean, eventually they do chuck it down. Like I said, that's the whole problem. You just walk through it. At every juncture, there's a really bad decision made, and there's not really ever anything forcing them into the bad decisions. It's their own bad decisions that they just continue to make. Did you see the first time they're carrying Ben Affleck's body by the ropes that they're carrying it? Two guys are carrying it with one one arm, and they're just fl- flinging them around. <laughs> no, I didn't. Clearly, catch that. Cl- clearly, there were uh, there was not two hundred pounds wrapped up in that. <laughs> like, like you would not be just huffing that body around. I, I caught I caught something like that when they hoisted his body into the boat. I was like, oh god, that'd be so heavy, dead weight, and it's wet, and they they just fling it over the side of the boat like it's nothing. And it's the biggest guy they have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> and so it was when they were coming down the mountain and uh, I was like, wait a second, that's not, that's not Ben Affleck in there. <laughs> but but the- no, I mean, because because go- going back to your, uh, your baseball card um, knowledge of actors heights, old Ben is like six, four. He, he's a big guy. He's minimum yeah. 200 pounds. And in this movie, he's more than that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but it's like, they throw it down this gorge where even if they came back to, to find it, that's that's gonna be impossible to get out of there. Yeah, you got to scale the Andes and then rappel down the Andes. And then, <laughs> it's, it's like, there's just, a bunch of rocks right here. We could just bury it. No one's gonna know that this is right. where we. How put many people it. go traipsing through the the rocky Andes and, up and there? dig? Exactly. I don't agree with with uh, the idea. But let's just chuck it all down here. Right. Again, poor decision after poor decision. It just never stops. Yeah. Um. Okay. So one last thing before we kind of kind of wrap it up um I, what did you think of the last scene of them giving their money away uh no the giving the money away I, i'm fine with makes total sense give it to ben affleck's family i'm talking like hunnam giving oscar isaac the coordinates uh i'm glad that he wrote them down and, <laughs> sure and it, it, it seemed like oscar was, would be the guy that would go get it uh, agreed i guess for me it felt tonally off it almost felt like baiting for a sequel and things were ending on like, uh, I'm sorry, I got super big like National Treasure vibes when that happened. And uh, almost even like Indiana Jones, like I felt like a fedora should go rolling in and Oscar Isaac pick it up as he gets the coordinates. It just seemed so off. Like they they wanted to be done with this. They gave the money to Ben Affleck's family. And then it's like, oh, but we got our next piece of the puzzle and Oscar's going to go find it. I'm like, Ugh, I didn't like the way that. Oh, I didn't feel sequel at all. I felt like the, the Hunnam boys were done. I felt like Pedro was done. And Oscar, you know, if he wanted to go get it, he was going to go get it. And then that was just that. Ugh, I, I didn't like it at all. I would I would rather have not had that, especially because you haven't played that angle at all like nobody said oh let's just you know bury it and get the coordinates and then at the end charlie Hunnam's like oh yeah you're here i got the coordinates it's just i didn't like anything about that last ending they should have just ended it with giving hugs and walking away and calling i love that oscar said he was gonna go hunt down this girl and in, in australia 
now that she has three million dollars he told her he'd never see her again but now that she has three million dollars yeah. like, well i'm gonna go find her <laughs> yeah uh, which that, i actually would have that that's a fine ending you know i'm gonna go find this girl that's fine you don't need the coordinates the coordinates were just too much for me yeah she's hot but also she has three million dollars <laughs> exactly that, that's the big I thing fine. If, I, if i was gonna walk away with 10 million on my own i don't need her i'm never gonna see you again but maybe now i'll go to australia <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, some last thoughts I've got on this. Um, I thought the acting was good all around. Uh, you said Affleck seemed stiff. Totally agree with that. Um, I felt like Garrett Hedlund maybe got the most flexibility because he was the the wild card guy. So I think he got to be a little bit more dynamic with his character. Um, the one thing I did like is that even though I think when we see the pecking order of the stars in this movie, like acting wise, it didn't come across that way. They they came across as one team, like nobody really trying to steal the spotlight from another or anything like that is in terms of acting um not a ton of action i thought what was there was was filmed really well um it's not really a shoot 'em up like rambo going in and shooting things up more of just like a a strike team kind of movie Uh, i thought the effects were good um there was a couple shots of the helicopter that i thought was really really shaky um for some reason but overall like i thought like the the cinematography and the way it was shot some of the visuals from up above i thought that was pretty good so I, i guess i felt like it was a pretty competently made movie for a Netflix original of this scale. Yeah, you mentioned Garrett. I didn't like Garrett. I don't know if it's because of his name. Other movies, probably his name. It's probably <laughs> his name that, that disgusts me. But no, it's his. Uh, I don't know if it's other movies that I've seen him in that, or the fact that the first time we saw him, he was Ultimate Fighting. I don't know his, and he didn't look like anybody who would be fighting. Sure. They, and so it's like, I didn't like his, his whole character. He detracted that from me. And I don't know if it's the acting or just the way it was written. I didn't, I didn't like him at all. I like the other four. I didn't like him, which it goes against what a lot of what I've been reading. People think that he's, he was doing the best job. I, I wholeheartedly disagree. I think Ben Affleck did the worst job, but I would sign on Ben Affleck any day of the week, then gear it. Yeah, I, I actually, I don't know who I like the best, probably Oscar Isaac, but I, I did think Garrett Hedlund did did pretty well. And like I said, I attribute a lot of that to to the character he was given. I think everybody else was pretty stiff and he he still didn't have a lot of depth to him, but they at least let him kind of have a little bit more volatility than everybody else. I think everybody else was really playing that special forces, emotionless, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, stoic demeanor. Um, but they let him kind of, you know, have more. And I think he benefited from that. Hmm. <laughs> you got anything else you want to say before we, we wrap it up? No, I'm running out of things to say. All right, me too. So let's get to it. I am Thor, son of Odin. And as long as there is life in my breast, I am running out of things to say. Are you ready? What'd you rate it and why? I ended up giving it a three. Uh, I really like the setup. I like the actors, um, but I think it really fell off in the second half. Um, so it kept me interested to knowing what it is that's or guessing what's going to happen next. Because um, again, they kept teasing me with subplots that never happened, and so I, I was definitely interested. So it kept me going, but it did not have the payoff at the end that I was hoping for. So it was a, it was a three. It was a little above average. 
I'm right there with you. I gave it a three as well for pretty much everything you just said and everything we've said throughout this episode. I don't think I need to recap it. Three, better than most Netflix original movies. Um, so definitely people should watch it. So is that your bar? Is that what you're comparing to? Other uh, Netflix no, movies? No, no, no. This is just a three, it just in general, whether it had been in theaters or not. I just think, you know, going back to our opening and I think how other people view Netflix original movies, I, I'm just saying it's a three no matter what, but I think a lot of Netflix movies struggle to get to threes. Um, so this is a step in the right direction for them. Okay. So what was your favorite moment? Uh, oddly enough, mine was Ben Affleck getting shot. <laughs> and not really because I liked seeing Ben Affleck get shot. It has nothing to do with that. But it was the one but kinda, moment. But, but kind of. <laughs> but kind of. Uh, it was the one moment in the second half of the movie where I thought things might be coming to a head in a character-driven way. Because like I said, I thought Oscar maybe had something to do with it. Or maybe it was going to cause, or it was going to be the beginning of maybe other team members starting to drop like flies because something needed to happen so it was the moment i guess where i thought okay now something's happening in the second half of the movie um now yeah do you think they all started to get picked off yeah something right uh it it was the idea that something is starting to happen now so it's my favorite moment in the sense that of the potential that it had now it didn't live up to it but in that moment i was like okay here we go and so that's the moment that really stuck out to me did you i forgot to mention this but uh charlie hunnam getting shot in the stomach and then putting the med yeah the uh you know they wrap the uh the field dressing on there and then he climbs the andes yeah no problem he's not bleeding out you know it went like you said in the last episode they mentioned it went clear through (laughs) clear through so it's good just just put a bandage on it and uh we'll uh carry these up like he didn't even hint at i've been shot earlier when they're hiking or carrying bags or anything like that i mean he's he's tough guy yeah, but and you think there'd be something. Yeah, Garrett Hedlund took one too, right? Is like in the shoulder or the leg, and he just that's eh, flesh wound. Well, okay, so he said he got grazed in the shoulder. That's because what I'm it was. hit. Oh no, I was just grazed in the shoulder. But later, there there was nothing. There was no blood on the shoulder or a hole in his little jacket thing that he had. I, I couldn't find where he got hit. Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't know. Did you ever see a a wound? No, I wa- a rip- ripping of clothing. <laughs> no, I was not looking closely, but uh, yeah, did because not. I was trying to figure out which shoulder was, and there there was other scenes later on, and I was like, wait, neither shoulder looked like they've been grazed. <laughs> yeah. So, well, my my favorite moment was the heist. Uh, I I like the heist part of it uh, when they're surgically taking out the guys that are running into the building. Uh, I like that. I like the take tearing the money out of the walls and loading up the van and just. Just how that all comes together. I just like that scene. Yeah, and that, and again, and, and as part of that, uh, what's what's Oscar up to? You know, I had mm-hmm. that that thought, and so I was starting to play with all the possibilities that could have came out of that, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I enjoyed it while watching, but kind of a letdown when nothing came of that. Yeah, but, that, I was trying. I, I will be honest. I I was trying to force myself into not picking the heist because I think that's the clear kind of standout moment of the movie, both from a filming standpoint and plot standpoint, it's really pivotal. So I tried to force myself out of that, but yeah, the heist is really good. Yeah. So what would you change? I would do more character exploration. Uh, I, I think the easy thing to do with this movie is to just add a bunch of bad guys. Like you said, just mountains and mountains of bad guys. 
but I don't think that's what this movie was trying to be. So just, just flooding, just flooding up the the mountainside behind. Exactly. Him. But if you want, if you want to do this character thing, then go a little bit more into it in the beginning, and definitely go a lot more into it on the backside. Like use the terrible decisions as a mechanism for conflict between the guys or whatever it is, and and then that teaches you more about why Charlie Hunnam is the way he is, or give you any kind of information about Pedro Pascal. Um, but, but the movie doesn't do that. Um, so staying true to the movie, I think you just got to go deeper on some of that character stuff on the back end. Yeah, mine was, I agree with you. I would have much rather have had, you know, the slew of bad guys chasing them because it was everybody's money and not just that one guy's money. And so I hoping for that. I agree with that. But my change was I wanted Oscar not to be evil, you know, and betray his team, but I wanted him to have an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. Uh, why was why was he so hell bent on killing this particular drug lord? And I know he was. Oh gosh, I've been working and nothing seems to happen. But you know, when one drug dealer dies, another one takes his place, type of thing. So what what's the big deal about this guy? And I wanted there to be something in there where he wasn't completely honest with his team. Not that he was trying to get them all killed, but to have some sort of depth other than just money. Yep. 100% agree. I thought that could have been a cool something or rather that they learned along the way. Yep. Totally agree with that. Create conflict between the team, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But, um, so your, uh, your character swap, who'd you go with? <laughs> so I started seeing rumblings of some stuff on Twitter and I, I looked into it a little bit further, but I guess this movie has been trying to get made for quite some time. And there's been a ton of people attached to it. So, um, Johnny Depp, Will Smith, Mark Wahlberg, Mahershala Ali, Denzel Washington, Sean Penn, uh, Ben and Casey Affleck, Leo. Uh, it was going to be directed by Catherine Bigelow at one point, uh, C. Tates, Tom Hardy. All these people have been attached to it at some point, and they either walked away. Some of the guys that are in it now, even like attached to it, walked away and then came back. So pretty crazy like list of attachment for something that's just a Netflix movie. But the one thing, the one person I read that absolutely killed me, um, so I'm really not taking this seriously at this point, because um, I just, I, I thought everybody did a good job, and I couldn't really find, outside of the main five, I didn't really want to swap anybody out. But the one name I saw that was attached to this, and it, it made me laugh, because I was trying to think about how the hell this person could ever be involved in this movie, is Tom Hanks. They said he was going to, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> he was going to be Affleck? I, I don't know. I, it doesn't say what Tom Hanks was going to do, but him and Johnny Depp were in talks at one time to be in this, and Depp, whatever, you know, I can, I can, you can put Johnny Depp wherever, and it doesn't really matter. Tom Hanks, however, is absolutely hilarious to me, and I didn't quite see him in the role of one of the ex-soldiers, so I said make the drug lord Tom Hanks. He pops out of the safe and it's Tom Hanks. Exactly. (laughs) He gets shot immediately. Wait a second, was that Tom Hanks? Exactly. (laughs) How awesome would that have been? Like, give him, like, you know, make him look a little bit more Latino and give him, like, a big stash or something like that. But yeah, have it just be Tom Hanks that got, you know, off in the safe room. That was my okay. casting change. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's a choice. That's a choice. (laughs) All right. What about you? Well, uh, so I'm changing mine on the fly based on your list of people that you gave. Uh, okay, well, you I have had... to say your original now. Okay, I, I will. I will. So I'm, I'm getting Garrett out of there. So Garrett's, Garrett's gone. Okay. 
So I'm replacing Garrett. And I originally had uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I had Kickass in there okay. as his his replacement, just because I think he would have done a, a better job. I, I like what I've seen out of him. That was my serious um, one that I came up with my myself. But I like your the C Tates. I like uh, throwing him in there as that. So I think he would have he would have fit okay there. Yeah, I when I saw that um, on the the casting news or whatever, I was like, oh yeah, C Tates definitely would have fit this kind of movie, like the right amount of star power, um, right kind of feel. I definitely could have seen that. Yeah, he definitely wouldn't have been, you know, the top build, but he could have been a ancillary character, which was which was Garrett's run at it. So, yeah, and I could have seen him being an Ultimate Fighter at the beginning. Yeah. Yep, I, I so agree. With that. You don't even have to change it. So I like I like the C Tate's answer. The interesting thing, though, about that casting would be that I assume that if Ben and Casey were in there, they would have been Hunnam and Garrett, which meant that somebody else would have had to have taken on the Ben Affleck role. Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Put him in there. God, I want to know so bad what they were thinking about for him. Hiking out the Andes, he's like, no, not going to do mean, it. <laughs> could you imagine him in the way? You know how Tom Hanks yells, like him being the Oscar Isaac person who's like scolding the rest of the team in that comedic Tom Hanks yell. Yeah, I, I don't see him working at all. In any I don't this. either. May, maybe the helicopter pilot. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could see him being the helicopter pilot, but that's about it. Yeah, or the drug lord, or the, of course the drug lord. Yeah, so Tom right. Hanks has now just made his uh, cameo in whatever movie that I'm gonna write as a what thirty second, not even thirty second, what fifteen second drug lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, deal. I like it. All right, what award are you giving this movie? I gave it the best setup for a choose your own adventure movie. I got you. I, I saw you put that in your review. I, I like that idea a lot. Because this, like, there's truly, and I mentioned it earlier, they're just perfect scenes of which way do you go? Mm-hmm. And basically your goal is get your team out alive with the most money. You know? And so if you go up the Andes and you have to drop off money, okay, we're going to take less money on the helicopter, but do we actually get out with everybody intact? You know? So sort of like that. That's your goal when you go into this. Get your whole team out with the most amount of money. And so some people might uh, try to load up the bottom of the, the helicopter with $250 million. Some might just take the 50 that's in the helicopter. I don't know. But you get that choice. Yeah, I, I like especially how you added that wrinkle to it because I felt like when I watched Bandersnatch, like you didn't quite know what you were aiming for, and that's fine because it's a story. You, you don't necessarily know that. You're just kind of picking just a pick, and obviously there's always um, you know moral choices. Like in Bandersnatch, you could like kill your dad or whatever it was, but like the same would apply here, right? Like, do you shoot the villager or do you not? But I like the idea of having a goal of like, hey, there's one path, and all of these are you know however many paths, and out of all the millions you can take that that maximizes your money and gets everybody out safely. That's your goal of this. That's your mission in this is to do that. Yeah. And since Netflix already did it, you know, here's a, here's a perfect template for that. Yeah. I'm sure you have to film like eight movies. Well, right. To do that. But I think uh, that would have been, that'd been great for a movie like this because they, they set it up perfectly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think what would be even cooler is if you took it like the full Call of Duty um, kind of approach and you could even pick your guys that you wanted to do the mission with. Like you could watch a little bit of a bio and be like, okay, I want Oscar Isaac, Ben Affleck, and Tom Hanks. 
and Tom Hanks. You're yeah. like, which guys do you choose? But the filming of that is not practical at all. No, no, not by any means. Okay, we're we're going to film this entire movie, but with these four actors. Okay. And then with these four actors. And then... I think that's a, I think that's a really cool application of the choose your own adventure thing and, and com- combining it with not just a straight, cause you couldn't do just a straight action movie because you're just going around shooting people and stuff. But this kind of heist movie where it's like, okay, you know, are you going to go by boat or by helicopter or whatever it is, you know, all these different decisions. Um, do you want to, you know, do you want to take more money and risk the time or do you want to get out at the hard out, whatever they call it? Yeah, I think that would work perfectly. And I think it was like each scene is Ben Affleck talking to Oscar Isaac. And I feel like every scene, them on the tarmac, them in the house, like everything, them before the heist, everything was those two coming up with, the decision where you could easily do this. And I was like, okay, here's your scene. Here's where you put it up there. It's almost like they made it for that. That's just how I felt when looking back on it. Yep. I can totally see that. What about you? What award did you give it? I said it's the Netflix original movie most suited for the theater. Um, I think there's other movies Netflix has made that you could put in theater, like Roma and, and some of these, almost right. anything they've made that could have gone there. But like, I feel like this is the first one that I've seen even from posters and previews and even having watched the movie where i was like okay that there's no reason why that couldn't have got a wide release and i think it would have made a a fair amount of money like i can't remember what else came out this weekend actually i don't think there was a whole lot that came out this weekend so it actually kind of would have been a good weekend sandwiched in between um you know uh, us next week and then what 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 did captain marvel Marvel. last week yeah yeah so it was kind of a, a good window here for it so um it has that says a lot about just the type of movie it is the cast the the quality movie so uh as far as i've seen out of all the netflix originals this one seems like the one where i'd be like yeah that should have been in the theater i think that and bright i think it had the star power and the little difference of different type of movie that they could have dropped either one of those and done done just fine yeah i think with bright though it was kind of a unique movie i think there's a lot of people that'd be like what orcs and wizards Eh, i don't think so but this is such a generic um, action military, like we talked about in the beginning, that I think you'll get, you're guaranteed to get some butts in the seat for this. I think Will Smith just gets butts in the seats no matter what. I'm not sure if that happens anymore, to be honest. Really? You don't think Will Smith is the draw? I think he's still a draw. I don't know, man. He's had a lot of just iffy movies. That he's completely in, or is he more after Earth and he was propping up his son? I don't know. We'd have to go do some box office analysis of, of Will Smith over the last 10 years. I think he brings in, brings in a good crowd. We'll have to see. Of just blind, blind Will Smith loyalty. <laughs> this isn't 1999 anymore. <laughs> uh, so what, uh, what movie, I don't even know how to frame this question anymore because you changed it all with uh, Captain Marvel. So <laughs> what movie is this somewhat kind of parallel to? Actually, I'm going to let you take this one because I know we talked on the side and I had some thoughts. And I never could quite place anything. And I think you pretty much nailed it. So mine is just like an addendum to yours. So why don't you take this one? Okay. So I went with Three Kings. So it was 1999, George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Ice Cube. And basically the same kind of idea of rogue soldiers uh, stealing from the bad guys to take, uh, take their cut. You mm-hmm. know, and so let's uh, and it was more of a an action movie and a, a comedy, and this this one was more of a drama with some action in it, and I think uh, Three Kings does it better, and so yeah, 
I think if you, if you like this, I think you really like Three Kings, and I it makes me want to watch Three Kings again. Yeah, I had that same thought um, when you and I were talking about this. Uh, the only reason I wasn't like pot committed to Three Kings was because I hadn't seen it in probably fifteen or twenty years, so I wasn't sure how off my recollection was. So I totally agree with you. I think Three Kings is the right call. Um, if I was to describe it a little bit, I'd almost say it's more of like a, a Tom Clancy version of Three Kings is what this is. So I did kind of, I wanted to pick something like Clear and Present Danger, but there's no bureaucracy in this and that's like half of Clear and Present Danger. So if you could have taken like the other half of Clear and Present Danger with like Willem Dafoe out in the jungle and stuff, that would have been pretty accurate. Um, but I think I think you nailed it with Three Kings. And it has a a three in the title. True. <laughs> Which, truly, I didn't understand the title. And you had to tell me what the Triple Frontier was before this podcast. It it just totally, like, I don't, I don't know what this means. And I guess they don't say it or hint at it at all. And you're supposed to know what this is. Yeah, and it's not like I knew it. I, I had to read about it online because I had the same questions. Like, what, what in the world is Triple Frontier? I don't get it. So, I mean, we've established that it's the basically the geographic location of where Colombia and Peru and I think one other country meet in this. Brazil. Something like that. Yeah, it was all occurring right on near this border. And that's the actual name for it, I guess, is Triple Frontier. But unless you're an expert in South American geography, I don't know how you would know that. And it would have been just such a throwaway line for somebody to say like, Oh, Oscar Isaac's like, Oh, I'm down working the triple frontier down at the, where these three places meet. It'd be, it'd be like over in, like you release a movie in China and you talk about the four corners in America. It'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but yeah, exactly. so, there's, there's a catch 22 of that though. Yeah, movies that say the title, you know, in the movie is kind of cringeworthy. Sure. <laughs> But you could have had him well, do something like the, uh, the Triple Frontier. Like, oh, that's the name of the, the name of the movie. Hey, that's what we're watching. But but you this could guy have is going to be hard to kill, <laughs> right? But you could have had Oscar Isaac like flop down a map and it, it, like have it say Triple Frontier like up near the top, and he's like, "We're going here where the border of these three countries meet." And then hopefully audiences are quick, you know, smart enough to be like, "Oh, Triple Frontier was on the map." He talked about these three places. I kind of got it. But that's a nickname for it. It wouldn't be on the map. No, no, no. But it would be that's like a mission. Actual... It's like a mission map, like a mission map. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't like, like it though. Like in the loadout Some... scene, right? Like where they're getting all their guns and stuff, where that always happens. Right. Right. So you didn't have a movie. You you uh, concurred. That's why. That's why yeah. I didn't want to tell you beforehand what my movie was. Well, but when I sent you my description, I, I included Three Kings when I sent you my thing. I was like, hey, it was a little bit this, a little bit this, a little bit Three Kings. And then you were like, well, mine's Three Kings. I'm like, well, yeah, I just, I just said that. No, you said you didn't have one. No, I said it's I didn't yours. have... Oh, hold on. I said I didn't That's have documented. a... That's documented. That's documented. I have it. Oh, hold text. on. Hold on. We're going we're gonna to dig this up because I think I, <laughs> I think I said I didn't have a specific one. Uh, where is it? Oh, here it is. I said, I couldn't really come up with much. It's been a long time since I've seen Tears of the Sun, but it had some of that vibe. Also, a bit of the jungle bits from Clear and Present Danger, but none of the bureaucracy. Three Kings-ish at times. Couldn't really land on a solid comparison. So, basically what I'm saying is I had all these jumbled thoughts in my head, but couldn't quite land on one specific one. So, I mentioned Three Kings, and then you're like, I don't really want to tell you mine. And then you're like, Three Kings. Like, wait, what? (laughs) I didn't see that. Yeah, read. I might have been... (laughs) I read the first, and you said Tears of the Sun. I was like, that's a terrible movie. And I probably just got into to mine. Have you seen Tears of the Sun? Yep. Recently? Oh, no. God, no. I mean, it would have been, 
maybe right after it came out in theaters or like right when it came out on DVD. I can't remember. And I have no basis in this whatsoever, but is that the pivotal point of Bruce Willie's downfall? Oh, geez. Because that that, that movie was, well, we'll get into that later. But Tears of the Sun sucked. Yeah. I haven't seen it since theater. I saw it in the theater. And it's like I wanted to to cry. (laughs) Analyzing. Yeah. Analyzing Bruce Willis's career would be an entire podcast episode on its own. Okay. I'll sign up for that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. From Die Hard to When He Plays a Surgeon. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) All right. Well, that does it for Triple Frontier. As usual, talk to us on Twitter. You can email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Definitely go out and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, that way it gets new episodes to your phone. You can download them. If you get a second, go out to one of the stores, whether it's Google Play or Apple Podcasts, wherever you can leave a review of our show and do that. That helps us out tremendously. Look for us again next week on Tuesday, like usual, where we will be covering Jordan Peele's Us horror movie, which should be great. Yeah, it looks really good. Looks really creepy. Yep. Can't it's wait. It's going to give me nightmares. I know. <laughs> I can't wait. I've been so excited for this movie. So look forward to us next week, and we will catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both.